Hello, folks, and welcome to Got Your Back, NHL edition. Pierre Lebrun and Mike Johnson are standing by among the topics we want to hit on today. The Oilers and the Toronto Maple Leafs, did you see the game? All the big guns came out to play, and they were exchanging volleys. The Oilers come out on top. And what's going on with the Maple Leafs? We'll talk about that. Quick trip around Canada. We'll check in with some other Canadian teams. The Calgary Flames are certainly going right now. The Winnipeg Jets are, are still on a nice little run. And so we'll take a quick look around there as well. And by the way, Sidney Crosby, what a season he is having. That and more coming up on the podcast today. A reminder that uh, Got Your Back NHL Edition is brought to you by our fabulous title sponsors, Kuma Outdoor Gear, where they've got a wide range of gear to fit all your outdoor needs from tents and sleeping bags and travel games and pet products and drinkware. And boy, do we love their new switchback heated chair. Bluetooth technology to heat your chair. It's amazing. It's got a wine glass holder. Enough said. Go to kumaoutdoorgear.com and check out all they have to offer. Kuma Outdoor Gear. Experience luxury outdoors. As we say hello to the fellas. Pierre sitting at home licking his uh, Dallas Cowboys fandom wounds still as we speak. And Mike Johnson here uh, in Edmonton after doing the Leafs and Oilers last night. Johnny, were you on the chat group where Pierre tried to get out of doing the podcast this week? Because he was so devastated by the results. <laughs> he said he wasn't going to was make not. it. Obviously, I was kidding. Thank goodness, because <laughs> I would have not accepted that. It's amazing. I, I find it, you know, for, for us who work in sports, like somehow part of my mind thinks we should all have perspective about sports and like not get so emotionally unsettled over the result of a game that we have no control. And then I'm like, I love the fact that Pierre, although he's you know a brilliant sports writer, works in sports, is also such a sports fan. Yes, that it bothers him. Like it, it ruins his yes. day if his or his week if his team doesn't win. Like part of me respects it. Part of me thinks you're insane yeah. for it. I, I love well, it. I am insane. Uh, there's no question about it. And I watched every single second of that game. I refuse to turn off the worst moment in ten years for my team. Because I want to soak in all the pain, I want to soak it all in, and um, just okay. marinate yeah. in the misery. And, you know, I had okay. uh, over a hundred text messages from people pretending to be caring about me, but really just, <laughs> but really Checking just in. enjoying. And, and I really—that's one thing I would never do. Like I don't text. Uh, you know, I have so many of my friends are Leaf fans, and I've never done that every spring to them. Like I know what they're going through because I'm a Cowboys fan, and. Um, Right. And the other thing, a lot of people have asked me why the Cowboys matter so much to me. And I think what's happened over time is that I'm so emotionally detached about hockey. And listen, still love my job. And I love being at playoff games. I've been there with you guys at playoff games. I still get excited by playoff hockey. I don't care who wins. I, I can't. It's not because I shouldn't. I literally yes. don't give a shit. And so what's happened over the years is that <laughs> yeah. emotionally detached from the sport I work in, the Montreal Expos were my baseball team. They don't exist. And so I got funneled into the only team I grew up with as a kid, other than the Expos, and when I cared mm -hmm. as a fan about hockey, is the Dallas Cowboys. I'm down to one. And so all these sports emotions go into one thing. And yes, I should be smarter than to let myself get sucked in every year by the Cowboys, who always make the playoffs and then break your heart. But it is what it is. It's what makes sports great. I mean, if everything made sense... And the Cowboys went where they should go every year with this talent, then there wouldn't be any gambling and it wouldn't be sports. It'd be boring. 
That's 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 why sports are amazing. Is he uh, is he getting a little misty there, Johnny, or is it just me? Like this, Pierre, thank you for sharing. This was honestly that was really. I mean, that was like a soliloquy. We've had a, a moment. Love letter well, to sports. We've had a moment. I, I, I owe it to our listeners and viewers. I know. <laughs> I, 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 know. I owe it to uh, Johnny. I, I was like staring yeah. at the picture on the wall, trying to figure out what that painting is. I'm like, like the Harper Whaler tail. Oh, I never know yeah. that's a tail. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Pierre, you're in a safe space, Pierre. You can always share with us. We, we just you. can't promise yeah, we'll I listen. I keep watching the NFL playoffs. I love football. It's all good. Uh, that's amazing. Johnny, how are you making out? Uh, how are you making out here in Edmonton? Now, you're not staying at a, You didn't stay at a hotel close to the rink. How did you make out getting no. to the arena despite the frigid temperatures here in Alberta, buddy? Are, are you okay? Yeah. Well, I am okay because my tour guide, Gord Miller, who's actually from Edmonton, somehow found a way through like parking garages and back tunnels. Mm-hmm. Gordon knows. I didn't have to step outside one foot to go to the game. Now, unfortunately, those tunnels were closed on the way home. And my my legs, more than anything, were freezing by the time I got home from walking the four blocks. But no, no, I'm okay. And also, Shoggy, I dress appropriately for the weather. Yeah, let's so not talk about up. that yet. Let's not go there. <laughs> That's, I'm saving that I for later warm. in the podcast, bud. I'm saving yeah. that for, and you know it's coming. Uh, and I'm looking forward to yeah. it. So a little bit more on Mike Johnson's, right. uh, you know, the the tough, hard-nosed, thick-skinned Toronto analyst that flies to Alberta. See? What do you think he packed? <laughs> I, saw, I, I, I saw the photos. Yeah. So. You're already defending yourself. Yeah. I love it. You know I've never presented myself as tough. I know. Thick skin. That's true. Resilient. I know. I am from Toronto, though. That part is true. That is, that is very true. But you know what? Yes. It, it makes for better making fun of you if we present yes, you as such. Sure. So we're going to do that a little bit later in the podcast. We're going to make Perfect. a fool of you because we love you. And we did it to Pierre already today. Uh, I feel like I'm going to get off scot-free today. It's all about you. Oh, you may- uh, let's get to the it's breakdown, the guys. podcast is <laughs> still early. You might invent a word. So let's see where we go. Yeah, that's true. I have been known to uh, I have been known to to make up the odd one. Uh, lots to dig into, guys. So let's get to our breakdown. Brought to you by Kin Print, with over a hundred combined years of experience. If you can dream it, Kin Print can make it happen. They provide embroidery, signage, printing, logo design. Let Kin Print help you take your brand to the next level with their high quality, top of the line apparel. They can help you with promotional products to showcase your company with class. You got a great online business. Visit kinprint.ca. Have a meeting with the good folks at Kinprint a little bit later today, guys. Don't want to ruin the surprise, but maybe a little swag. Some little got your back swag is in the works. Not going to promise anything, but uh, maybe some hats or something here in the near term. Uh, well, listen, yep. Shoggy, real quick. Yep. I saw some prototypes that you pro- I, I, I actually responded to the hat. I prototypes. saw that. Yeah, it's rare for me to partake in these things, but I was down. Which one did you like? Right in my wheelhouse. Which one did you like, John? I like I, I like the white one with the center logo. I like the blue one with the side logo. Okay, Pierre, do you wear hats? Do they make? Do they construct hats that will it, fit you? There's or not that, a lot you know, of hats. That, that's not a thing. <laughs> there's not a lot of hats in the history of the world that have fit my head. My head is so big. In fact, when I went yeah. to the Calgary Stampede for the first time in 2019, we went to five different stores and couldn't find a cowboy hat that could fit my head. I was really disappointed. <laughs> But, um. You know what? <laughs> the, the folks at Kinprint are so talented. I bet that they could logo a salad bowl. So I'll talk to them. Seven and seven. And we'll see if maybe we can <laughs> seven get seven and seven eight. We can get a salad cap. bowl uh, hard to find. <laughs> with the Got Your Back logo yeah. on it. 
Okay, enough nonsense. Right. Uh, listen, some offensive juggernauts toe-to-toe last night. Johnny, you were in the building. I was in the building too. Uh, boy, the Maple Leafs came out with the right stuff, but the Oilers have been playing some real steady hockey lately. So we're going to dig into both teams a little bit here because the Oilers are on a heater. The Leafs are going the wrong way. But Johnny, if you can, just being in the building there, what did you think of the head-to-head matchup, McDavid versus Matthews, and who brought what? Well, I, I thought it was great. I thought the fact that both coaches seemed willing to let the two of them play against each other, especially early on. You know, Knobloch started McDavid up against Matthews. And they are friends. Like, they've gone down to Arizona and trained together. But they also are competitors. Like, they realize that they're jockeying for recognition as one of the, you know, best players in the world. Now, we, I think we can see it. It's McDavid. But, you know, they understand. Like, this is a rival. This is a this is a, a someone who's on that their level. So. I thought it was great. Toronto was obviously the tremendous start, 27 seconds in, whatever it was. Matthews was buzzing. He had chances. But I thought, I mean, I, I watched McDavid. I haven't done an Euler game in person. I thought that was about as physically engaged as I remember seeing Connor mm-hmm. McDavid. Mm-hmm. So not just skating and making plays with a puck. We see that. But he had four hits in the first period. I thought the sequence at the end of the game with Morgan Riley, where he absolutely brawled to get to the front of the net, to screen and tip a puck that then um, McLeod put in the, in the net for the game winner. Like I thought McDavid was just so physically engaged that when he plays like that, it's not a lot anyone could ever do to, to slow him down. Yeah. Uh, that was Here? maybe the best game of the year that I've seen so far from afar. And um, mm. you know, I love that Chris Knobloch chose the right time to load up uh, Leon and Connor together on the line a couple of times there. Yeah. He's not something he's done a lot, right, Brian? But uh, the timing seemed perfect. And um, and it's funny because it should, of all the teams in the league that should be able to handle that, you'd think it'd be the Leafs who have Nylander and Tavares on one line and, you know, Matthews and Martin on another. But it didn't matter. I guess no one can stop when Leon and Connor McDavid are together on the same line. As far as zone time and looks, I mean, it was it was really a moment in the game for me when Knobloch did that. Um, the other thing is I, I love that, I personally like that McLeod is back at center and that uh, Kane uh, was on Leon's uh, line last night because, you know, that was a big moment. That Derek Ryan goal set up by McLeod, I thought was a huge moment in the game. Um, Everything felt like it shifted after that in Edmonton's favor. For sure. So, uh, Johnny, I'm going to let you make an editorial decision here on the podcast. Normally I I control Mm -hmm. the flow of this, but I'm going to, I'm going to defer to you here. We have to give the Oilers some love for this 11-game winning streak, or yeah. we can get after the Leafs for all these blown leads and the mess that's created right now. We're going to do both thoroughly. Uh, you decide, friend. Which direction do you want to go first? Well, the Oilers have been good for a long time, so let's go to the Leafs because it's more recent and it's more pressing. I, I think the Oilers are just heading where we expected them to go. Yeah. The Leafs are heading somewhere perhaps no one expected them to be. So the blown leads are becoming a thing, right? Uh, outscored 3 nothing in the third uh, in consecutive games here, three games. Um, you know, they're, they're coming out and they're putting offense up and they're, they're in these games, but they're just not able to hold on to them. And so post-game last night, Sheldon Keefe knew it was coming and tried to head that narrative off at the pass. Here he is post-game. Well, the story will be us giving up leads. To me, the story is more our inability to execute on these scoring chances and, and grow our lead and pull away and take away the will of the other team. I don't know, Johnny. I think the story is a blown lead. <laughs> Another blown lead. 
You know what, though? But I think given their team and who they are supposed to be, like, you know, playing in their own end and not being perfectly clean in their own end, like, that's probably less surprising than not being able to score. Like, that go- that game, whether it was one nothing after the first period, it probably should have been five goals in the first period. There's multiple breakaways, backdoor chances, and posts and everything else. Like, Toronto is built not to defend leads. Toronto is built to grow leads. I, I think he's right. Mm. Like, yes, I'm not letting him or the players off the hook at all. It's the NHL. You're up by two goals. I don't care who you're playing against. You have to be able to get those games over the finish line. And they haven't. But I think they're, they're two sides of the same coin, but they're both true. The Leafs haven't been in the score lately. Their power play hasn't been as good. Tavares has gone cold. Nylander has gone cold. And now they're not scoring, so the margins get tighter, which is a problem for Pierre, a team that's not great defensively. So I don't know which way you want to mm-hmm. look at it first. Blow leads are an issue. Not scoring's an issue. But either way you slice it, there are issues around the Leafs. Yeah, one thing I wasn't ready for, and I live here in the market just like you do, MJ, is like people starting to grumble on social media about Sheldon Keefe and his job, really? <laughs> like, that seems... Uh... Uh, that seems very Toronto-esque to already be on that, but maybe I'm misreading it. I don't know. Like I, I, I feel like that's a little early. I think that Pierre is a function of five right. years of sure. playoffs. Not not so much the last four games, but more. And we the last should remind games. people he signed a two-year extension that doesn't kick in till next year. Although when you're MLSC, that's peanuts. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think it accent what's happening right now accentuates what everyone already knows and why Brad Tree Living has been talking to teams for a long time now is that they need to upgrade the blue line. That's certainly something. At the end of the day, it's still about the core players on this team who haven't been up to par of late, like you said, MJ. But that doesn't mean you can't upgrade your blue line. They they got to go at go out and get at least a Chris Tanev type player for sure between now and March eighth. And then you got to ask yourself, as good a story as Martin Jones has been, it really has been a great story. A guy who started as number three, you know, Samson off, what's his future? Um, and then you're waiting on Joseph Wall to come back and be healthy. But, you know, that's going to be like a reset moment for, for Wall, right? I mean, he's going to have to, that's a long time, a lot of time missed by the time he's back. What's he going to be like? Do you have to go out and trade for a goalie too, if you're the Leafs? And I actually never thought I would ask No that. way. But, yeah. No way. Cannot. Right. Cannot waste assets on a goaltender. If you're chasing a goalie for your fourth option, forget about it. Call it a season. Like to like, I I, I think what is happening here and the discourse about Toronto is almost less about again the last four games and more about the full forty-two right. games. Mm-hmm. Toronto this year has not been nearly as good as a team as they have been in the last three seasons. Not even close. Right. And yes, I get it. They're a hundred point pace. Sky is not falling. They have a tremendous talent on their roster. But every discernible metric is worse this year right. than last year. Points, shot share, scoring chance, expected goals. And I know the Leafs know this because I talk right. about it with them. Like they understand like they're not as strong this year. And they talk about integrating new players and how that's gone and injuries and goaltending and all of that is true. But the reality is the Leafs this year are not and have not been uh, an elite level team. They're just, they're like a mediocre middle of the pack team Mm -hmm. that has great players. And I think that realization is what's causing 
the consternation around the Leafs, not just the blown leaves, not just the last four games, but just like, wait a second, maybe this team is just not that good, which I don't think the Leafs thought they would be in a position right. to say, Pierre. Well, I, so let's put it this way. I like to simplify things. A, a year ago when the playoffs started, the Leafs were at home against Tampa. And despite their playoff demons, 19 years at the time without a playoff series win, most people comfortably picked Toronto to finally win a playoff series and beat Tampa. And they were right. If the playoffs started today, the Leafs would be on the road in Florida. I don't think most people pick the Leafs to beat the Panthers right now in the playoff series. Yeah. No. So. Yep. Good point by you. But I don't think, okay, like Leafs against anybody in the playoffs in the East right now. Like, I don't know how many people pick the Leafs in mm. general. Like, they're just, they've just been sort of mediocre. They just, they haven't been able to like assert themselves consistently throughout a game or game over game. And I think that's what Shelby keeps talking about. They just, it just hasn't been easy. It's all felt tenuous, scratchy, difficult for the Leafs the whole year. And I don't know if Chris Tanev, whoever, changes that. I, I just don't I don't right. know. I don't know if it changes from that, Shoggy. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what Brad Treliving identifies as the appropriate fix, the measured fix. Uh, to try and get this team over the hump a little bit. Meanwhile, in Edmonton, 11 consecutive wins. And while Oilers fans are basking in the glow of this Pierre and just feeling so proud of their team and everything, um, any chance you want to pour a bucket of cold water over their heads with some historical (laughs) perspective on uh, these streets and what they actually mean? Yes, you do. No, actually, the point I I was going to make in the end is that given the parity of today's league, I think 11 wins is 11 wins. And I think, it's actually mm. very impressive. But I just wanted to bring up about streaks. It, it, I should write about this instead of wasting everyone's time here. But it, it here comes the cold the water. Shootout, the advent of the shootout in 05 has destroyed the NHL record book. It, it's really uh, people sleep on this whole part of it. And, you know, even to the Bruins record season last year, I mean, the Bruins had, they only had four shootout wins, but those four shootout wins are four wins that they don't have otherwise which means it would have been under the, the record of 62 wins. And what I'm getting at is that when the shootout came in in 05, it forced a win-loss result in the standings. No more ties, right? And, 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 and it's fine. It's exciting. The shootout's exciting. But it's distorted the record book so badly in, in, in all kinds of ways. And, for example, you know, the Oilers' record on beaten streak is the 84-85 Oilers opened the season on a 15-game heater, you may remember, Ryan. They went 12-0-3. What do you do with that now in historical context? They went 12-0-3, and now the Oilers right now have eight regular season wins on the streak, one shootout win, and two overtime wins. There's no right or wrong. My point is it's hard to gauge historical Mm -hmm. feats because the rule book keeps changing on us. Mm -hmm. This this is what the NHL has created. Um, I'll give you another example. We look forward to that call. Well, I mean... It, it, it's yeah. actually weird is what I'm saying. It's hard to go back in history and think yeah. about these things. Think about the longest of these. The dump all over Mark andre well, yeah. while you're at it. I guess he's not the second most winningest well, goalie. I mean, right? Well, I mean, just that I mean, killjoy. Well, everyone, everyone loves Flurry except for Pierre. He's, he's stuck on 510 well, wins. He's nowhere well, near about the, I mean, this is the one that hammers it home for me. <laughs> the longest undefeated streak in NHL history. By the way, you can't have an undefeated. It's hard to have an undefeated streak anymore with the shootout, right? But the Flyers is 79-80. You guys know this. 35 games unbeaten. That's an NHL record. 
Did you know mm-hmm. that that streak was 25-0-10? 10 tie games in that 35. Mm. So in today's NHL, what happens to those 10 games? Is that a overtime? Yeah, they go to a well, shootout. I mean, it's either an overtime <laughs> win or overtime. loss or a yeah. shootout win or loss, but it distorts. So what I'm saying is it's not good or bad. And again, I think what the Oilers have done is amazing because of the parity in today's league. I mean, the 84-85 Oilers got to beat up on some some lower teams. There was less parity in the game back then. But the advent of the shootout in 05 has completely screwed up the record book. I, I'm just saying, I don't. I think people sleep on that. Oh, we hit our time limit for killing the joy. Good, uh, so, Johnny, <laughs> listen, how, how about those listen, Oilers, Johnny? <laughs> I think, listen, it's been amazing. Like, think about this, Shoggy. Like, what are they now? 19 and 3 in their last 22. Crazy. Ridiculous. I don't care how many overtime. Like, it's just preposterous. And to think, like, you know, they were so low, like, you know, preparing for the game. You, you look at all the stats pre-firing and the stats post-firing, and it's mind-boggling. Mind-blowing the difference between the two of them. Now, I will say this. Like, you and I talked about the Shoggy a lot. Some of the turnaround for Edmonton was inevitable. Mm-hmm. Like, some of it was going to happen regardless because they were playing well enough under Woodcroft to get better results. But that doesn't suggest that their defensive numbers – are so much better. They've decreased chances, danger chance, expect like by like forty yeah. percent. So yes, Skinner's gotten better. He's stopping pucks, undeniably. But a lot of it is they're way better. And how you go from seventy percent, put me and Ryan out there killing penalties, we'd be at seventy percent. And now they're like eighty eight. Well, we'd be at like fifty yeah, percent. But they the like eighty eight. You you just get out of well, shooting lanes. Yeah, I let the goalie see it. That's why they always stop it. But that's like, you know, penalty killing, that is coaching. So like that is system. That is Mark rotations. That is usage. Mark Stewart, full credit. So it's not like it hasn't been deserved, but good on them. Good on them and not easing up when they go on this kind of run pair because, you know, human nature, you're feeling good. You let it slide. They are They are continuing to push. In a game last night, like they were, like that was a good game. Like that was an emotionally charged game. Everybody, both teams, and I give the others full credit. They're on this run. They're coming back from the East, and they bring that kind of juice to a game. That was impressive. You know, when the Oilers were at their lowest of their lows, you know, two wins in their opening, what, 12 games? I I think all three of us agreed, or I remember saying on this box, I still thought they would make the playoffs. But I thought at that point, the only way they can get into playoffs is in a wild card spot. What's even more unbelievable yeah. is not only has Edmonton mm. caught the kind of fire you rarely see in the NHL, but the Vegas Golden Knights and the LA Kings has, have backed up to them in the Pacific Division. And now it's conceivable. Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's actually a possibility that the Oilers could still have home ice in game one of the playoffs, which is nuts. Yeah. I would say it's. I yeah, would say it's, it's looking more good. than conceivable. It's looking Almost good, likely. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Like they're going to be, they're going to be third by like the end of the next three games, yeah. and they'll be moving on from there. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, one last point on the Oilers, and then we'll move on. Uh, Quizmaster, <coughs> who we know and love. <coughs> Excuse me. There's that cough. choked on that one, didn't you? Yeah, boy. I don't think I'm done yet either. Uh, I'm going to go full Darren Drager here, who has some of the most epic oh, coughing boy, fits out. with the mute button on. Quizmaster is beating the drum about Chris Knobloch uh, and uh, the coach of the year. So feels early, right? Feels yeah. early, but and it's McDavid and Drysaddle, and people go, "Wow, they're such a good team. They might have done this anyway." Blah blah. I don't buy that. 
I think his fingerprints are all over this thing. I'm not going to be the local reporter that's like, the Oilers coach is the coach of the year. But I think it's a fair discussion at this point that if it continues, it's not going to continue at this pace. But I don't know, Johnny. Like, you got to give the guy some some notables here as the conversations kick in. I think you have to because the difference being he was inserted early enough that he's going to be around basically the whole year. It's not like it's a half-year job where they're hot. Yeah. Like if he goes 70 games with the best points percentage in the league, then he's part of the conversation. Now, I think John Tortorella deserves probably huge consideration. Now, there are other probably people I put ahead of him, but I'm not going to exclude him because he didn't start the year right. behind the bench. Yeah. And when you look at the change – numerically systems tactically it's 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 he warrants being in the conversation right. absolutely pierre i, I no was just doing, doing some digging here on jack adams because we've had this situation before in fact in, in recent history so andrew Burnett was runner-up for the jack adams two years ago uh, to daryl sutter and then of course oh, andrew Burnett took right. over after joel quenville uh, had to resign and then also in 1819, when the Blues ended up rescuing a season where they were last at Christmas and won the Cup in 19, Craig Berube uh, took over. I can't remember when exactly, but not he wasn't the coach at the start of the year, right? And, like and December, he, um, yeah. He finished third in Jack Adams' voting. So at least it gives you a bit of guidance right. that the voters, uh, and that award is voted on by the Broadcasters Association, but the voters obviously um, have room for a coaching change candidate getting into the mix. For sure. All right, moving on. Let's check in uh, at some other Canadian stops here. We don't talk a lot about the Calgary Flames on the podcast, and we have an opportunity to change that and to chat about them a little bit because they're in a window here. Four straight wins. Um, Sharon Govich, six goals in his last four games. An OT winner against Blake Arizona. Coleman. Blake Coleman. Blake Coleman. 20 goals. What? This from the Quizmaster shares the league lead with 12 third period goals, including one last night against Arizona. Mm-hmm. As we sit here and tape this podcast, couple of points out of a wild card spot. Wouldn't it be interesting if the Canucks, Oilers, and Flames all made the playoffs? It would be fun. Uh, how for real would you say the Calgary Flames are in terms of being able to sustain a competitive enough level to take a real run at a playoff spot here, Johnny? They are certainly more than with their roster that they have today, more than capable of making the playoffs. Yeah. Remember last year, right? They missed by a, a point or two, and they could not grab a point in overtime if their life depended on it. Right? So they 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 have a good enough roster. Markstrom is playing much better, although he just got injured, but he's been playing much better. They have a good enough team today. What I find fascinating, Pierre is less about, like, I, I like what they're doing. Like, they're playing hard. They're finding goals. They're getting saves. Like, this is what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be a 100-point caliber team, and they are. But when your GM says very clearly, I will not right. let my prominent players get to uh, UFA summers without trading them beforehand because I will not let them walk like Johnny Gaudreau do. That was the lesson that Craig Conway learned. I won't let it happen. They will either resign or they'll be traded. Well, now you have Tanev, Hannafin, Lindholm sitting there, Pierre. Yeah. And you're a point or two out. It's a tough uh, decision to make. The prudent one is probably to trade them if they're not coming back. I get that, but it doesn't make it easier when you're rallying in the standings, Pierre. So like that to me is the conversation about Calgary, not so much, yeah, they're good. Because they are good. Johnny well, a bit of a killjoy here. Well, Pete? no, he had it, the cold it, bucket it, of water well, for Flames. It's actually where I was gonna go. Uh, it's actually check. where I was gonna yeah. go, and, and MJ probably knew that. But 
because I'm always looking at things from a manager's perspective. And, you know, this is in many ways the worst <laughs> scenario for Calgary because yeah. if you're out of it, you understand what has to happen and the roster reset that the Flames have talked about internally earlier in the season uh, and talked about with other NHL front offices. Now it's like, well, wait a minute. What if we can make the playoffs? And they can. I mean, the teams around them, let, let's give Edmonton a playoff spot, but then it's then you're battling the likes of Nashville, Seattle, Arizona, St. Louis for a wildcard spot. Mm-hmm. I could see Calgary winning out in that group. But how that doesn't mean that you're any closer now to, you know, convincing or extending Elias Lindholm. So <laughs> it's, it's an incredible pickle. And it really comes down to, and it's, you know, Craig Connor is obviously a first-time GM, but he's well-surrounded with Don Maloney and Dave known as Brad Pascal. As an organization, you have to take a deep breath and say, what is the priority here? You know, we had a brutal summer in 22 when Johnny Goudreau walked out the door and Matthew Kachuk forced a trade. What is our priority here? Is it to make sure we maximize our asset values and make smart decisions for the next 10 years or is making the playoffs a pretty good deal as well, and, and that's that's what they got to answer. Mm-hmm. That's what they have to answer. Yeah, but you know what? The answer is always if you just live in a, the vacuum of hockey. The answer is always if you're not going to win a cup with right. the team you have. The answer is always to trade and build for right. a team that could. Now that's not that's never my money. That's never my money. That's not being earned in yeah. playoff dates. So like we can't act like sales and marketing and like that doesn't sweet sales new arena like that all factors into it but if you're just talking hockey the play is to re- trade right. all these guys for players not necessarily right. just picks but players good young players and then start your reload that well and, and the Winnipeg. meanwhile the ottawa yeah, i just yeah. gotta say the winnipeg jets have inspired a lot of people i think in that it, you know when pierre Luc dubois forces his way out it looks like you're headed for a different direction but instead the jets made a good hockey trade and are one of the best stories and my point is we always look at things as rebuilds or you're in it, but there is an in-between way of, of perhaps staying competitive while still making trades. No question. Ottawa Senators, meanwhile, four and nine since Jacques Martin took over as head coach. Oh. Still feels weird to say Jacques Martin taking over as head coach. It's like, is this 2007? Um, and, and they, they wish. Yeah, he's doing his media availabilities like a guy – <clears throat> Excuse me. He's he's speaking freely, right? Talking about a lack of determination and a lack of commitment, and he's he's speaking fairly freely about this group, which I think yeah, can can be a good thing sometimes. But I don't know, Johnny. Like, this is not the way this was supposed to go. How's this Martin thing going? What's the plan? It's not going well. Obviously, if they were anticipating just a new coach bump, they haven't got it if they're anticipating a revamped structure and discipline to their game, they're not getting that nope. either. And so for an interim guy, I know he was a safe name and he's a trusted guy and he knows what he's doing. Um, the only, so it's not going well. I'll only say this. And I've heard a lot of people suggest this, Pierre. Mm. I don't know where you stand on this, but so I'll throw it out there that like Ottawa somehow needs a full-time coach. Like whoever the guy is, who's going to be there right. long-term to make a difference that I don't understand. Like if you think the players are intentionally tuning out Jacques Martin, because in their mind, they know this guy won't be here next year. Then you have 
the worst collection of players that you will never yeah. win with. Like, I, 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 like that's a that's a huge player problem, and I don't and I'm and I don't believe that to be true. Like, I don't think whether not only the fact that Jacques Martin is not a long term solution or not a long term candidate is factoring in to the issues that Ottawa is having. I think they just got issues. And I don't think the coach's temporary status yeah. plays into it. And so I don't want to oversimplify it, but there's not enough Claude Giroux on that team right now. And what I mean is mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there's an issue there in terms of what being a pro means, I think. And, um, you know, that's why the Senators are, as you guys have heard from other reporting, the Senators are making – Steve Steos is calling around big time looking for more veteran players to come in and like Giroux try to be an example of, of, of what it takes. And I know some people roll their eyes at that stuff because we live in such a data driven world now. But again, I've said this before, but people were like, what is Steve Eisenman doing signing Ben Sherratt and David Perron for his young rebuilding Red Wings team? I'll tell you why. Cause he doesn't believe that the kids should rule the roost that to learn to be a pro, you have to be Young. assembled by veteran players. And I think the Oilers of yesteryear learned that the hard way. The Buffalo Sabres are still dealing with it, I think. It, it, it's 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 a tough league. And, and I think Ottawa, honestly, and listen, I thought Ottawa was, was going to take a big jump this year. But I think I overvalued where some of those younger core guys are with their understanding of what it takes to be a pro day in and day out in this league. I really think that. Yeah. Johnny, thought on that? Uh, he's not wrong. But the issue is those guys are right. there. Yeah. Like they're there with their contracts and they're not going anywhere. Everyone's got like six years on their deals and they, they, they've entrusted the future to these like six, seven, eight players. And you can bring in, I don't know, good solid veterans. You can bring in Chris Tanev, love, beloved. Well, you can bring in another Claude Giroux. Like Claude Giroux hasn't turned their forwards into reliable, situationally responsible mm-hmm. players. So, like, you know, I have Travis Hamnick in the back end. He's kind of like one of those guys. Like they have, you know, players around that are supposed to be helping that way. And it's it's a challenge. I don't well, know. I I, I I get going to get another veteran or two, Pierre, and then figure out what it looks like. But it feels like you're going to come to a conclusion that maybe the mix of players well, has to be changed. The, like the core players that you commit. And the other, I don't want to spend forever on this, but the other hindsight being 2020, but not every young player, like you understand why you sign long-term deals to guys coming out of entry level because CBA wise and mathematically, you're trying to beat the curve on if that player reaches his apex of what he think you know, what we think he will be, right. he will be a bargain halfway through this long-term deal coming out of entry level. Yeah. Right. But that, that buys into the equation that, or the assumption that every young player knows how to handle himself with a long-term deal and security. And, and that his desire to grow yeah. remains the same, his hunger, his fear. And the reality is it's not the same for every player. Pierre. I'll tell you this straight up. If someone gave me an eight-year deal after my first two years, it probably would have taken me two years to like come to grips with that and then get back to work. And like I, like I'm not an immature right. person. I'm not a hooligan. But like, it, like, hold, I got sixty right. million dollars here. The hell, like, it, yeah. you know, it's 
it, it, it's hard not the great the exception should be the guys who it doesn't affect let alone the yeah. guys it does so there is that element to it it's it, the whole thing in ottawa has gone rotten the, the changing the goalie coach midstream we don't see that very often like it just no. speaks like this year was supposed to be about stability growth excitement in the future and it's really just been a continuation unfortunately of a lot of the stuff that mm-hmm. has plagued them in the past all right. Meanwhile, the Winnipeg Jets, 29, 10 and four, 721. Here we percentage, go. Right. Here we so go. they Goodness. are the best Canadian team statistically. The Vancouver Canucks, not far behind 29, 11 and four at 705. And then you got the Edmonton Oilers. So you can sing the praises of the Winnipeg Jets a bit here, Johnny, if you want to, but I ask you, are they the best Canadian team? Today? Yeah, they mm-hmm. are. Are you picking I them so. in a seven game series? against either of the other Canadian teams. Yes. Today you are. Today I am. Yeah. I am. Yeah. I I think the way that they defend, what is it, 33 games now? Where they've given up three or fewer? Like that is an absurd number. An absurd number in today's NHL. And 13 straight. And empty netters. And and so they've been, you know, they have the goaltender who's probably the Vezina winner today. They have a team that is playing that kind of defense and then what they have maybe a bit different than Edmonton and Vancouver is that they have more depth in their lineup. But they have more they don't have the stars that Vancouver and Edmonton has, but like their second, third, fourth lines would be better than the second, third, maybe not second in Edmonton, but the third and fourth lines in Edmonton, the second, third, and fourth lines in Vancouver, if they can survive the first line. I just the way they play, the structure, the system, the cohesiveness, the whole being greater than the sum of its parts, Pierre. I love what I yeah. see from Vancouver. I and to the point where I wouldn't even want to change it very much because it's working so well. I don't want to add very much and mess with what is working so well. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I would still take Edmonton if I had to pick a Canadian team. I don't know. I'm so fixated. But by the yeah. way, if the Canucks don't fall off, and I don't know why by now, I understand why people are saying they might. Don't get me going. But if they don't, how does Rick Tockett not walk away with the Jack Adams, by the way? Seriously. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Is that even I a competition? Yeah. Although, if Torch gets his team into the playoffs, I mean, yeah. that's from where they started. Yeah. Did Rick yeah. Tuckett teach his third and fourth lines how to shoot 14% at five on five? Because that'd be really <laughs> I, knew that be hell hell I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. Hell of a job. <laughs> oh, I know. There, there come the yeah. numbers, guys. Oh, sorry. The no, number it's guy. fair. It's fair. Yeah, yeah, by, yeah. by the way, it's totally yeah. fair. But everyone's waiting for it to drop off, and it has. You mentioned uh, it will. Do you want to bet? Do you want Brett Shoggy? No, I don't bet drops? numbers with you. I don't. I, no, I'm not betting with Mystic Mike. Oh. That's just a losing proposition. By the way, the, the, but I, I'll make fun of you. For, how about last? But I won't night, bet Shoggy? with you. Yeah. Just on the other side, I had Mitch Marner to get a point and a goal in the first ten minutes. Hit two of my three picks in the first twenty-seven wow. seconds. Look it was a you. good start last night. You're buying lunch yeah. today, pal. But, uh, We're buying lunch. Yeah, I'll meet not? you at Braven, the steakhouse at the hotel. By the way, speaking of coaches, Rick Bonus, like. Remember a year ago we were talking about the Jets and, and Rick Bon I mean, you know, this is Rick Bonus's last gig at his age. And and he really was kind of acting like it a year ago in the sense that I loved how he was honest and transparent and you know, if you don't like it, I don't care. I'm, this is my last stop, boys. And you know, you kind of wondered what the how long that can go in today's NHL or whatever, but man, how about him? I mean, he almost retired after leaving Dallas. Mm-hmm. And then the Winnipeg thing appealed to him for yeah. obvious reasons. And look at him now. And, and he almost didn't come back right. this year. You know, his wife was ill. He, he almost left and did right. not come back. 
and, and the team obviously was really fine without him. Listen, if Bones win a Stanley Cup, I might cry after in the post games. Like I might like be moved to tears. Awesome, I like dude. Rick Bonus that much. Like I will be emotional if I see him win a Stanley Cup. It would yeah. be, you know, it'd be like fifty years. But anyways, but yeah, I, I just think Winnipeg, they have the tools and the defense, Shoggy. I know the defense. Yeah. I just trust that that is sustainable for them, which makes them dangerous. Saying this, it is so important for the Central Division team to win that division. Because with Dallas, Colorado, and Winnipeg, two of those three teams will play each other. One of those three teams will be gone in the first round, and that would be a legitimate Stanley Cup contender punted in the Mm -hmm. first round and a hellaciously difficult series. While the first place team, if you win the West, you get Calgary or Nashville or Arizona or St. Louis who are going to be tough, but won't be Colorado or Winnipeg Great point. or Dallas. Yeah. First Great point by a you. ton in the West. Yeah. Great point by you. Okay, let's move on. A couple of quick things before we get to our red card, yellow card, no card. Pierre, you wrote about uh, Flurry and the potential for there to be some movement if, there. Minnesota 2-7-1 last 10 mm-hmm. games. After that 11-3-0 in their first 14 under John Hines. Which teams? Who are we talking? What's what are the potentials? What are you saying? Give us well, some juice. Well, I, I think you know. I was talking to Noodles about this yesterday for my piece, and and Noodles said, like, there are so many teams that should be coveting Marc Andre Fleury in his mind because of what he could bring. So go in there and be a mentor and a great insurance to Stuart Skinner in Edmonton. Uh, do the same in, in Carolina mm-hmm. for Kachekov. Right? There are so many obvious scenarios. The Devils haven't got saves all year. Period. And of course, Toronto, all these different things going on in goal. Now, MJ doesn't like the because they got bigger needs. Um, there are some obvious fits. I, and I know that some of those teams are already planning on checking in with Bill Guerin when they feel the timing's right. Minnesota's not out of it yet. And they, and they may get back into it. So that's the other thing. Um, and Bill Guerin told me yesterday he feels that conversation on, on Marc-Andre Fleury and the trade deadline is premature for that reason. I don't know if the Wild can get back into it. If they don't, that conversation is coming. But also, it's going to come down to one single person, and that's Marc-Andre Fleury. Full no move. He's won three cups. What's the hunger like? How desperate is he that he needs to go to a to a contender? I, I don't have the answer to that. He may just say, you know what? I'm pretty happy here. My wife and kids are in Minnesota. And we're only talking two or three months if he gets dealt. He's a rental. But maybe maybe his heart won't be into it. I don't know that. But there's some easy spots that you could point to and say, boy, that would that would be. And honestly, Edmonton would probably top the list for me as a great spot. Does he want to continue playing? I'm curious. Like, like you know, does he want to parlay this another year? I, I have no idea, but that would probably factor in his decision. And how much does he ex- – like, I know, Mark, everybody knows he's a great guy, Shoggy. But, like, does he expect to play on his new team? Like you talk about right. mentorship with well, Stuart Skinner as the starters. He want to go to Edmonton, wave to go there and not play. Does he want to wave to go to Carolina and sit behind Kachetkov? Or does he like, I'll wave. No, he wants I want to play. play. Like I think that's the other part he, of the conversation. He would want to play. So if he wants to play, like, you know, if Stuart Skinner's rolling, yeah. yeah, maybe you can go to you can go to Jersey and be like, okay, I'm going to play ahead of Kira Schmid and Vanacek. That probably is something that they would do right now. But other well, the devil's got to get got to get into places, the playoffs. Too. He would have to, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, if they win tonight, they're in fourth in the Metro, so like they're right on the bubble. But yes, it's it's they're right around it. But 
that's the other the wrench. Like, how much does he expect mm-hmm. to play? So, two things on Edmonton, really quick, because um, it's the team I cover. Number one, I think the Oilers felt Stuart Skinner got a little tired in the playoffs last year. There was a pretty significant dip. And while they're riding him hard right now, and I asked Chris Knobloch about this last night, the plan is to back off of Skinner's starts in the the last few months of the season. He's still going to get the bulk of them, but they definitely are going to need a very engaged backup in the run towards the Mm. playoffs so that Skinner hits it fresh. So there will be opportunity. The second thing that makes Edmonton intriguing, from their standpoint, that makes Fleury intriguing, I think one of the most significant things the Oilers are missing in their room is Stanley Cup pedigree. Mm. They don't have it. They don't have it. It's not there. I suggested Pat not one Maroon. player. What's that? Not one player. Uh, no, no. I think Ekholm was in a final, and they, they don't have that pedigree. Right. Uh, you got Paul Coffey standing on the bench, so that'll help a bit. But it's a little bit different, right? And so Flurry, I mean, he's the perfect person to be the backup, just from a personality standpoint. He's got the Stanley Cup pedigree. If he has to go in, he's got experience. I think it's a fit in a lot of ways. But does he want to go into that situation right. and? And potentially be the backup, but I think that I think from that standpoint, Stanley Cup pedigree, it's meaningful. And I think Pierre, maybe we bounce into the next topic here on on Corey Perry. I think if if the Oilers were to be interested in you know doing the due diligence and seeing where it's at, I think that's a huge reason why they recognize that Stanley Cup pedigree mm-hmm. is something that they are lacking. I mentioned Pat Maroon as a guy that has experience there, has Stanley Cup pedigree, and that could be a fit and help oh. this team. But Perry has that pedigree as well. Pierre, any any update on where this situation is? With Corey Perry. Um, they're still going yes. through, you know, looking at different teams is my understanding. Um, you know, it, it, it's such a, it's a complicated story because we still don't know exactly what transpired. I, we have some idea. And I don't believe that it, that anyone involved is ever going to come out and, and detail it either. So there's a complication of, you know, they're not having that. Like I, I've talked to some teams that really like Corey Perry, but would like to know what happened before they sign him. And I don't know that they'll be able to get to that. So that's a whole thing to, 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 to you know, wrench your mind around. And, and then, you know, the, the question of if you're a Canadian team and, and, you know, potential backlash and how does it get portrayed you have to be pretty comfortable as an organization with that decision so there's a lot there it's why i think that it's probably more likely Corey perry ends up you know on a contender in the south that you know gets less media attention and 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 that whole part of it is easier to navigate but there's no question there's interest and there's no question in my mind he ends up signing with the team before march 8th i would imagine if he doesn't end up in Canada, it's because he doesn't want right. the attention. Right. I don't think the clubs would not try to sign him for fear okay. of a backlash in Canada. I, I, I don't think from, and I, I'm not acting like I know what happened. I don't know anything. That's Pierre's job. But I just, I just, I don't, from the, what I gather, from what I sense, from what I feel, I, I think the Oilers, the Leafs, the Canucks, whoever, like they would all offer him a contract. He may not want the heat that comes with those markets and the initial couple of weeks where he's going to be asked every day about stuff. Um, but I don't think the Leafs, the Oilers, like they, they, they would say, we don't want to deal with this, so we won't. I think he'll have a dozen offers, and I bet he's in the NHL in the right. next 10 days. Yeah. Pierre, is part of it 
And again, we we don't know these things, so we're going to be really careful about what we suggest. But if you're an NHL team considering this, is part of it, um, you just don't want surprises, especially down the stretch drive. You don't want surprises right. in the playoffs. Like just the idea that, you know, is there a due diligence that can be done that can put your mind at ease that it is over, it's dealt with, it's the end, and there's well, nothing Well, that's more. what some of these teams are trying to do is due diligence. I mean, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. But my point is, there's only a couple of individuals where the due diligence can come from. And I don't know that those individuals yeah. want to share everything. Right. So, Or maybe even legally right. can share it. So, like, yeah. you know, there may be other situations about non-disclosures mm-hmm. or whatever that you can't talk about it. And not just for Corey Perry's sake, but for whoever else may have been involved. Maybe that person doesn't want to talk about it. And you have to respect that person's wishes more than yeah. for Corey Perry. So it's, it, it's, it's, it's tricky. You might have to go a bit of a, leap of faith like trust that there's nothing else without actually knowing there's nothing else but i still think what we know about sports he will be in the nhl and again he met with gary bettman not that he had to it was Corey perry and his camp that wanted the meeting with bettman bettman did not have to clear him because there was no clearing to begin with Mm -hmm. he Mm -hmm. the league had never barred Corey perry from being an nhl player based on what the league knew but uh it's still it's a it's a tricky one for sure. Real quick, Pierre, has he agreed to his termination of his contract? Like, has he walked away from Chicago? Can he sign league minimum, or does the new team have to take on the Chicago contract? No, his contract got terminated. Um, the NHLPA, so it's done. Okay, he's so a UFA. Um, he, he'll, he'll sign a bargain okay. deal when he comes back. The, the, and we should have probably mentioned this, but as Chris Johnson reported last week, the NHLPA seems to be leaning towards grieving the Chicago contract termination. Right. Which in an indirect way may embolden some teams to say, well, if the PA doesn't think that it met the threshold, clearly, even though we don't know everything, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like the, 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 it's interesting mm-hmm. how you could take that. Right. But again, I'm careful in all this when I speak about this because I still don't know for sure myself. Yeah. Okay. Before we wrap up the podcast, how about some love for Sidney Crosby going for um, on pace for 51 goals would be the oldest 50 goal scorer in history. He's on track for a 19th straight point per game season. Uh, that equals that would equal Gretzky's record. Uh, he just keeps rocking and rolling and doing his thing, Pierre. It's he's turning back the clock. It's so imp- the, it, that boggles my mind. 19 straight point per game seasons. I mean, do you run out of ways to say Sidney Crosby's awesome? I, I guess the best thing I would say is that. If you married Adam Lowry and his work ethic to Connor McDavid's talent, you might end up with Sidney Crosby in the sense that you've got a superstar who's always acted like he's a third-line center in terms of his approach to the game, his humility, his desire to never feel like he's there, that he has to improve, never taking shortcuts. I mean, we just talked about, you know, the kind of people you want in your NHL room when we talk about Ottawa. Like... Pittsburgh has outlasted its salary cap reality because of Sidney Crosby. I'm telling you, he has made people around him so much better by walking into the rink every day and just the way he holds his coffee. I'm serious. Like, it's just, I run out of ways to say the impact that this guy's had on the Pittsburgh Penguins and the league. It's, It's crazy. I mean, he's what? Top five player all the time? I think so. You know, if it's, if it's Gretzky and it's yeah. Orr and it's Howell and it's Lemieux and it's Sid, like that's it. And it may be McDavid there someday too, but 
Like that, like it's, I, I don't have it in front of me, but if you were to say like on a 500 game threshold, Shoggy, like how many players even average a point a game for their career? So oh, their best years, let alone every year, it's like 10 players. Yeah. Like yeah. literally it's, it's like, there's not many players that do it in a short term, let alone 20 years, every single season. It's amazing what he's done. It's amazing what he's doing. We shouldn't be surprised because he is, you know, generational doesn't do him justice. I played against him. That's how old, that's how long he's been doing. I played against Sid in his first few years. He was, yeah, he's been a savior to the Penguins franchise in many ways with Ovi to the NHL coming out of the 04 lockout. Like his impact on hockey and the NHL, you, you can't overstate it. it it's, it's that significant. Great stuff. It'll be fun to watch him uh, and the Penguins down the stretch here. See how far he can push this point total. That was our breakdown brought to you by Kinprint. We went a little long, so we'll be quick with this. Johnny, I was trying to decide if I was going to make this a red card, yellow card, no card or not. I wish you would have. And Well, I, I wasn't going to. And then you told me you didn't even have to set foot outside to get to the rink. And when you told me that, I went, okay, that meets the thresholds. Red card, yellow card, no card. Mike Johnson, knowing he goes to Edmonton, he yeah. packs like he's ready to go play 10 straight hours. Like he's going to go take part in Brent Sake's longest game out at Sakers Acres. We got a picture here. I'll show you guys. Uh, Zuby will bring it up for everybody that's watching on YouTube. This is Mike Johnson at morning skate yesterday. The full scarf done up. The hoodie. The hoodie over top of the toque. The big jacket. Yeah. Pierre, yeah. I mean, I get, I get functional, but at a certain point, is it not a little, a little much? P red card, real quick, Pierre. Okay, I did not know how to get to the rink inside when I was wearing that. I went outside wearing that outfit, Pierre. You tell me, it's minus twenty-five. You go give me a red card. I dare you. I'll give you a yellow because I mean, I have the park. I have the big winter jackets here. Uh, I grew up in Hearst, man, Northern Ontario. And so I just know that when it's a certain time of the year, I don't care how goofy you look, you got to put in the big coat, man. So it's a yellow other than I give you credit for your toughness. You're ready to brave that cold in less than ideal clothing. So good for you. You know, you know what, Johnny, I'm giving you a freaking red card. You know what? I'm doing it, buddy. I'm doing it, but you know why I'm doing it? Here's why. Did you have a little too much on? Sure. Is it a little ridiculous? Yes. Do you look soft as as baby you-know-what? Yes. All of those things are true. But you know what pisses me off? Like, I const- I dress up warm here. I live in Edmonton, too. I look frumpy. I look ridiculous. I don't make it look good. It pisses me off how stylish you make this stuff look. I was annoyed when I saw you. I thought, look at this guy. Look at this freaking guy. Walking up here, warm as can be, making it work. You made it all work. The, the scarf is tied to perfection. It's a piss off and I'm annoyed. So you get a red card for looking so damn good while you're so warm, but you're soft as baby shit, pal. You know what? I'll take that red card, Shoggy. <laughs> I will take that and run because that's probably an accurate assessment of what I was going for. So I will go, first of all, for me, I'm going to say no card, obviously, yeah, because... You know, I'm trying to combine warmth with I got to wear like dress clothes. And you know what? In fact, you might be like a green card in advance because you know where I wore that to? Morning skate. Yeah. The fact that I did that to go to a morning That's skate. That's a bit much. Speaks to my professionalism, 
and my commitment to my craft. So I'm getting a bonus, yeah. non-card, green card, get out of jail free card. Yeah. For that I game. mean, listen, a little too much, too much inside information, but in all the golf games I've had with MJ, I don't think he's ever worn a golf shirt twice. Like he, he's, he's all about fashion. I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> Takes his look pretty serious for sure. No question about it. He's a national oh, yeah. broadcaster. Wait for though. Three I mean, minutes. Look at me right now. Yeah, real serious. I was gonna talk to you about that. I'm gonna need you. I got a nice Lululemon sweater on. You know, I did the hair this morning, Johnny. You gotta pick it up a little on the pod. Yeah. You'll you'll dress like that to walk in the cold, but on the pod, look at you. I think people appreciate the comfortable look that I offer up because I'm here talking to my friends. <laughs> there you go. Great job today, guys. Much appreciated. We will chat again next week. That'll wrap up the podcast, folks. A huge thanks to our title sponsor, Kuma Outdoor Gear, and to Kin Print as well. Keep it locked on all of our socials. Uh, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. If you get a chance, leave us a review over on iTunes. Have a great finish to your week, and we'll chat next week. Cheers. Cheers.